How to Rock the Stage Show, a show committed to equipping you to hone your media skills better to stand out from the crowd as a go-to expert in your field. Each week, Rich Montreger interviews top leaders, influencers, authors, speakers, podcasters, and media professionals about how to leverage media best to help you shine brighter on camera and stage as a go-to expert. Now, here's your host, The Trigger, Rich Montreger. Welcome back to another edition of How to Rock the Stage. Great to have you with us. Wednesday night, live, every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. We go live, and we're streaming on multiple platforms at one time. Part of expanding your reach, shining on camera, and shining on stage to elevate you and your brand, you got to expand your empire. you got to push further and further out. So we are streaming on multiple platforms. And tomorrow, this will be rebroadcast, rewrapped up, and put on the audio channels at 11 o'clock. We'll go live as an audio podcast. Some of the things we can help you with right here at Rock to Stage. Tonight, we are going to be talking about media, podcasting, audio. We're going to talk about audiobooks. We're going to get into some of the best ways that you can elevate you and your voice. Your voice is your brand. Your voice is your persona. And there's so much more. We're not going to ruin it all yet. We're going to get into it. David Wolf is the founder and CEO of Audavita, Audavita Studios, a podcast and audio book production company. And David's going to be sharing his experience, his insights gained from years helping hundreds of companies, entrepreneurs, authors, speakers, and thought leaders launch their audio books and podcasts. And if I read his credits, we'd be here all night long. We'll do that during the show. So here comes David Wolf, everybody. Good hey, Rich. How are you? Good to see you. <laughs> you should have Welcome. seen him backstage, everybody. He was like, don't read the credits. Don't read the credits. Know, yeah, it's a long laundry <laughs> list. You know, I, I tell people that podcast with us. When you're introducing a guest, you shouldn't read the laundry list because a lot of times as a podcaster, right, people send you the bio and it's like there's a long list. In fact, I just committed that crime, didn't I? <laughs> but I should mention it is an award-winning team you have. You have done an amazing job. Congratulations with what you're doing because it's not just podcasts. It's not just audiobooks. You're pushing on to a lot of great area for media. Well, it's really cool that you you mentioned the team thing because, you know, my job now as the CEO of this company to help it grow is I'm really the face of the brand. I'm the voice of the brand. Sometimes I call it the voice brand. And somehow, miraculously, after I, you know, I started this company kind of doing everything myself to kind of get a feel for all the facets of what I would do. I was recording, editing, producing, and, you know, selling. And as I started to bring people in, some gift from God or somewhere, I brought in this amazing leadership team. And then we have you know, a couple dozen freelancers across the country. And uh, it, it's all about them. This is a, this is a business that's really all about the, the experience we deliver, not only to each other internally, but then out to the folks that we uh, support and getting their voice out in the world, whether it's a podcast or an audiobook. Well, that's one of the things that as I do different shows with the National Speakers Association or Rock right. the Stage, one of the big questions I get is, do I have to do this alone? There's so much going on. And you just hit the nail on the head. A team is part of the natural growth of what you do with this now, isn't it? It really is. And, and one of the things we're discovering, and those are in the audience that are entrepreneurs and growing businesses in whatever sector they'll, they'll get this, is we're discovering what our position in the market is, Rich. It's, it's really, um, there have been times where I have been tempted to guide us into what I'll call the commoditization factor, where where you know we've got the gold, silver, and bronze podcast packages, and we've got gold, silver, and bronze audiobook packages. And the truth is, it's a force feed for us. We're too boutique-y. We're too high-touch and white-glove. And what I hear from our clients is, 
this is the experience I'm looking for. In fact, I had a sales call yesterday where somebody said exactly those words. It was about an audiobook, And she said, I've talked to a lot of companies, but I've got a feeling I'm going to have an experience that I'm looking for with you guys. So that's a position we're finding ourselves. You know, sometimes branding is like a treasure hunt, right? You got to figure out who you are. So, so by the way, for those streaming along live tonight, whatever channels are you on, if you have questions for our guests, drop them in the chat. We will field them. We'll bring you in to the action. But let's go back to that phrase you used, David. You said voice branding. Right. What is voice branding? Well, I don't know that I invented this thing, but I do know in the audiobook side of the market, when I entered, it was rare that an author was reading their own book. And I actually started recording authors reading their own on uh, You're Sitting Down uh, on Skype. So this was long before we had, you know, the Riversides of the world, the, 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 the so-called remote recording platforms like Squadcast and StreamYard, uh, which we use now because they do what's called end-to-end recording. Anyway, so, so back to the, the focus, which is the voice brand. Um, when nonfiction authors would approach me, I'm like, why would anyone want to read this book? You need to deliver. You're the connectivity to the market. You're the connectivity to, uh, to your audience. Um, people recognize you. You might be a podcaster, an NSA speaker, a keynote, what have you. You know, build the brand around your voice and the way you deliver. And the idea here, and we have a few producers that work with authors when we do this package. Um, it's been wildly successful. We talk about the fact that we're not trying to train an author to be a voiceover talent. What we're trying to do is tease out of them, you know, directing them live in a, a virtual studio environment, tease out of them a a performance that lands with the listener. It's one listener at a time with audiobooks, So it's a very intimate, like the world you've lived in for so long, the radio thing. It's really yeah. intimate. It's one listener, one voice to one listener, right? So so it's about that intimacy with the microphone, working with the producer to the land so that it connects with the listener. And so that's the voice brand. And then from there, you know, it's magic, right? Well, and that coincides with what I coach and teach people. You are the brand. And authors are a tough breed sometimes. Because they want to read the book and read the book and talk about the book, but they don't want to elevate them. They mm-hmm. don't want to be the brand. So what you're doing is really helping them slow into becoming the brand by doing the book. What's well, cool? You, I love help. what you just said there, Rich. Because sorry to step on you. The thing is, you know, and I've said this on webinars and when we're talking about this process. Um, the unintended consequence or benefit to reading your own audiobook as a nonfiction author is that it reconnects you with the material in a new way. Um, it, it's media training at yeah. the, in the purest sense. You're working with a producer to help you orate a clean performance that's recorded on mic. So in addition to getting the product that's now on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes, and wherever else you want to be, about 52 other places you can be with an audiobook, 50 or so, um, you're also experiencing what it's like to be a performer and you know, we're dealing with a very broad spectrum of capacity and talent around that. Some authors are really good at this and some are need a lot of experience. So what you just pointed to is beautiful and it does dovetail very nicely with, with what you're talking about. Of course, out of the other end, you're actually getting a product. So, well, where do you begin with someone that is a novice? They have no idea. They don't even know what the microphone does for them. How do you work with an author that you're like, okay, we want your authentic voice Right. And how do you nurture them, give them some practical tips to break the ice and get into it? Well, some of them do ask it for tips and so forth in sort of the pre-production stage. And Mark Shipman, who runs this side of the business, could probably do a much deeper and more effective dive. He took what I was doing about five years ago and put it on steroids and really developed it into a full program. But I can say a few things about it. I mean, the one thing is, is that 
you're not really going to know what you're going to get from an author in terms of delivery until you just get them, cut them loose on a microphone and start hearing what they're doing. Because when you're just talking with someone and you know this from your media experience, you know, it's very different than reading. Doing an interview like this where we're riffing is very, you know, pulling ideas from our head is very different than reading a manuscript, particularly if it's their own manuscript. And there's also the, the mechanics of reading is different for different people. They have different um, capacity to do that. We've had people that stutter at the beginning of every sentence, you know, for example, or we've had people that have dyslexia. We've actually had cases where the author has said to us, I have dyslexia, we're going to have to hire talent. I can't read. I can talk to you like this, but I, if when I start to read, I'm going to get all you know screwed up. So, so it's a case by case thing. But uh, and and what we find is they've got to just you know dive in, get into the read, and Mark or Chip or whoever's producing on our team will say, okay, stop. You know, you know, go back there. You, you may want to slow down a little bit. Um, uh, maybe there's a little bit of something with modulation. But we it's a delicate balance because for a couple of reasons. One is we don't want to over uh, get them overthinking because then yeah. they, they lose their you know they lose the connectivity to the content and uh, you know they get in their head too much. Um, there's a second reason and I lost it. It'll come back. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah, it, most of it's about if you're in your head too much and, uh, it's going to yeah. spoil the experience and, and delivering really a relaxed performance. Well, and like, I know some people are afraid of their own voice. There's the head voice that we hear and there's the room voice. And the first right. time going back to my early days, the first time I heard my audio tape voice or the real room voice right. was like, please shut that thing off. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys run into that too when they heard that first. Yeah, yeah, there's back. a little bit of a startle. And, you know, the microphones that we're using are actually audio interfaces and here, I'll show you. So this is one of the microphones we recommend. It's an audio interface and and it's the microphone that we're using, right? So you plug in your, your headset here, your headphones or headset while you're recording and you do hear what we call in the studio live cue, right? So you can hear your own voice on mic and then you can work the mic in proximity to get used to that. But some of the people we've worked with had no experience uh, having heard their own voice and it is a bit startling to them and they have to kind of get over that. So one of the areas I want to touch on with the books is because I know different companies that you loaded up to that you shared on the Amazons and other places some are really particular about it's got to be the word for word for word of the book. Others give you the freedom to reread it, storytell or edit. Where do you fall on that? Oh, that's really a great question. So um, the, the, our experience with ACX, which is kind of the hub of all of those folks you just mentioned, um, they're not too critical about the internal uh, of the book, but they are very uh, prickly about matching the title the credits about who's narrating and the, you know, the title of the credits, it has to exactly match the artwork. Otherwise they freak out and they, they'll reject the book. So there is that. Um, but inside we have had, and you know, this happens, we've got business authors that are very familiar with what they do and they're trying to loosen it up a little bit. So it feels like it's connecting. And so we allow that latitude. And again, it's a talent thing. And some people can riff a little bit. And some, I did have one extreme case. This is when I was working alone and before I actually started Audivita with a team, uh, Rich, I uh, I had a, a woman who wrote a book that she was an improv teacher and a medical professional. So her her gig was teaching teams in medical contexts how to use improvisation to communicate more effectively on behalf of their patients. Right. So so she went way off the rails. I mean, we got it done. I mean, it was almost like she was reading from an outline. Um, and it's tricky because our producers there with a PDF, they're reading a PDF. And he's marking for our editor. Okay, you know, use take three for this line. Okay, we redid this one 16 times. Uh, uh, start here. 
make sure you move this here. You know, we're, 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 we're using the session and we're making notes so the editor can go through the audio and, and can anticipate where the edits are going to be. In the end, we get a stitched performance that's perfect. But sometimes, like if you've got graphics or um, charts and graphs in an audio book, you've got to send them to your website or you've got to or we, you can't actually upload a, a PDF with the files that we deliver to the uh, distribution distribution channels. But uh, but typically I like to have them drive it to a, a, a website. And, and so there is a little bit of freedom, you know, to say, you know, for more information about what I just talked about, you can find figure three on my website, blah, 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 dot com forward slash downloads or whatever it is. So. So audiobooks are hot. Authors are using them. They're great lead magnets. There's so many different ways to do it. Let's talk about the other hot thing in audio media is, of course, podcasting. It's exploding. Um, we were talking backstage in the green room that if yeah. podcasting were alive when I was back at my beginning 30 plus years ago, I would have a different whole different career because podcasting has unlocked so much for authors, leaders, intellectual people. Tell us about what you guys do with audio podcasting. Well, our core business has been built on the company, the entrepreneur, the speaker, the author that wants to build a platform in digital media. And the podcast is one of those elements. It's a subset of their greater marketing efforts. So I like to say they're investing in content marketing. They're putting themselves at the center of the uh, conversation, rather equation too, but conversation. They're using their voice brand to do that. And then they're bringing in peers. They're bringing in um, uh, colleagues. They're bringing in team members. Uh, we have a couple that do that. Um, and so uh, we also uh, like to say, you didn't ask this question, but I'll answer it anyway. People right away, in some cases, they'll say, how do I monetize? How do I monetize? That's a number so, one question. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a whole different question. I'm sorry, I probably jumped ahead in the interview. No, but you're fine. Go with it. I'll just riff. So moving into that for a moment, that que the answer I like to give to that question is start with an audience of one. Use it as a prospecting tool. If you're in business and you're using this as a, as a platform to get more business in the door, which is really why you're doing it. You know, with business podcasting, the podcast isn't the product. That's also true of the audiobook side. You know, the business authors, not try, they're not staring at unit sales, hoping to get an ROI. That's what the novelist is going to do because it's the end product itself. It's really an entertainment product. But with, with business podcasting or audiobooks, it's a ticket to bring, it's a lead generator. It's a lead magnet. So, so um, anyway, so, so, you know, it's much easier to make a phone, you know, pick up the phone, pick up Zoom and say, hey, you want to be on my show? Few people will refuse that offer because it's publicity for them. And uh, so I love that idea of the audience of one because it, now something magical happens when you're in the interview, you create a bond with that person. Many times they become clients and we have use cases uh, with some of our clients who have said to me, David, you know, I did this podcasting. I had one guy come on my show as the largest consulting gig I've ever had. So it paid for itself many times over. It doesn't well, always happen, but it can happen. Well, that's one of the secrets, David, that I work with people and I let them know one of the great thing is ask for your guests to be someone that you want to do business with intentionally invite yes. someone that you like. I like yeah. to work with them. I like to partner with them. I want to get yeah. to know their service project and bring them in, make them feel good. Give them a great show. Wait a week, reach back out and say, you know, I was right. thinking about what we said on the podcast. Maybe we can do some business together. And people yeah. usually respond like, wow, you thought of me after the show. Really? But yeah. using it as a lead generator to intentionally book the right guest, not just any old guest, but a potential client. Is that what you coach to? Yeah, we do coach to exactly that. And the other thing, you know, in some cases, um, we do have shows that are generating, you know, thousands and tens of thousands, or even in some one case, a very large show is generating 
uh, more, you know, tens of millions in a year of streams, which is spectacular to watch. And at that level, you can start to monetize your show with two levels of advertising uh, mechanisms that we can do for our pod, those who are on our network. Um, uh, one is called programmatic, which is uh, uh, it works like an ad network where we we mark places in the show after it's produced, and we insert dynamically insert uh, commercials from an ad network partnership that we have, and it facilitates you know not a high CPM, but it does start to bring money in the door so you can get your show paid for. So now you're you're starting to create that that um, that's uh, some amount of ROI. So production is paid for. I said it. Um, the other is we can bring when you reach a threshold of roughly about 10,000 average listeners per show uh, or per week, if you like, uh, we can bring you deals with where you, you do a host read. Uh, there are companies that want to reach your audience if it's large enough. So at that level, then you start to get into a zone where if you want commercials as, to be a part of the experience for your listener, it's not always a good idea, by the way, but sometimes it is. And uh, you know, there's schools of thought. Some people say, oh, if, they, if people hear advertising, it feels like, you know, it's old school. It feels a little like there's cachet with that. You know, oh, I've got people paying to, to be on my show to advertise their products. And if it's Walmart or it's AT&T or whoever it is, you know, it feels pretty cool. And it can be kind of like, whoa, OK. Um, but others, it can be distracting. So you have to be selective about how you how you think about advertising. Um, you can also do affiliate deals and there's other ways to monetize. I kind of went off the monetization uh, branch of no, the tree, no. but, but uh, you know, that's part you of it. Let's just thank our sponsor here for Rock to Stage Media, the National Speakers Association. Glad to have them sponsoring this, making it possible. We're streaming out larger and larger, yeah. doing amazing things with the NSA, so thank to the NSA for making How to Rock to Stage possible. That's a name drop. That's a simple name read. Drop it in. It can be done so easily. One of the things I also coach is for beginners, just promote their own business as if it's yes. sponsoring, but don't say it's your own company. But that also gets the placement, the timing for future yeah. ad inserts. You're so absolutely like right. It creates, it, right? Yeah, it's right, Rich. It creates a template so that you can open up space for others. And it gets you used to it as a host to do that because it can be awkward if you're not used to, you know, you have a lot of years of on-air experience. I, you know, I've done two or 300 interviews myself, so we're a little more comfortable with this stuff. By the way, what you just read there, you know, the other thing is you've got a sponsor that is so related to the work you do. That's what you want. The thing that happens with programmatic is, I mean, you can opt out of certain categories, but you know, you're probably going to get some wild, crazy ad that doesn't have a whole lot to do with your company. And you got to, you know, so that's why you want to be a little selective about that. But, um, but audience of one. And then as you grow now, other opportunities can uh, emerge. So now that's the other thing about audience of one is as you grow, you have to still talk to the audience of one. So key words like, I, you, me, glad to have you here, not y'all here. Do you coach exactly. some of that? People naturally fall into that, don't they? I am really happy to hear you say this because even some of the, you know, you watch even the major networks now. Yes. They'll, they'll, they'll address the audience in the collective. It's so unpersonal. I feel like I'm a big cattle call. The most important word in broadcasting, a guy named I Lipson, who coached me years ago, and now I coach my clients this, also a radio consultant, said, the most important word in broadcasting is you. And you know that. And so, but it's not widely known. And even a lot of the professionals on television, I hear them, our audience, this and our audience, that, and all of you out there in podcast land, it's just so depersonal. Just talk to me, you know, kind of a thing. So. Well, and in podcasts, when you do make it I and you and I, and I'm glad that I, you do. Yeah. It's, yeah. But depending you are on listening in their earbuds and you're yeah. already inside their soul. Soul. You're inside their right. cavity, their body. And as 
There's an emotional thing that happens with great when you have That's that one to one communication, even though you're talking to the masses, you make it sound like one to one. Your listener is literally going, Tell me more. Tell me more. Right? That's right. You're right. That's right. You're activating an emotional response in them because they feel like it's just you and them. You know, if you listen to a broadcaster like Howard Stern, who I think is very skilled at this sort of thing, you feel like he's talking to you. Oprah, you feel like you're talking to one person. She's talking to me. I have a relationship with Oprah. I have a relationship with that podcaster. That's so effective. So uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that because it's not something that's talked about a whole lot. So audio podcasting, it has exploded. There are studies yeah. saying since I'm a lot, the video is right. beginning to now catch up. Do you think the video TV podcast is going to outrun the audio or are they both going to meet a nice sweet spot? Do you think? You know, it's a little bit of a crystal ball thing. I mean, we're, it's a very dynamic market. We are seeing in our, you know, our on 35 or 40 shows we have in production and new ones coming in much more of a desire, at least to shoot the video while you're doing the audio interview so that you can use it for verticals in social media and other applications to drive audience. So minimally we're recording it and parking it somewhere. And then we might bring in one of our team to cut the videos or they, some, our client may have someone on their team that can do that. So we'll ship that, those uh, raw clips to them. Um, but produced video as well and doing it like you do it. We have one uh, very successful show called Friends in Fiction. Uh, they also stream on Wednesday night. In fact, I think they might be streaming now. And it's four ladies. They're Simon & Schuster bestselling authors and they're novelists and they talk about their experience of writing. They hang out and they drink wine and they live stream. Uh, to multiple formats, very similar to the, what you're doing. And then like you do, we repackage it for the audio syndication across, you know, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, I, you know, those, all of them. And so, um, so uh, I, I can't remember what you were, oh, we were talking about video and trying to see, well, where is the, it's not going to be an either or, I think it's going to be an either and, because remember what drove podcasting in you know, many ways, I think is the ability to do other things while you listen. So the same thing that's driving the audiobook market is kind of driving the audio podcast market. And then you've got people that really do want to connect with a screen and they're, 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 they're perfectly fine being captive to a screen in a way that they don't have to be if they want to listen to the audio version. But if you're doing it both ways like you are, I mean, you really, you're serving both audiences. So fine. Well, so let's talk about that. Are your audiobook people moving into the podcast space and blurring <laughs> the lines, co-promoting, co-elevating, or yeah, are they see not some of that? Yeah. Yet? yeah, we have some of that. I mean, it's a, it's a function of, uh, you know, we'll get a, a, an author in, they'll produce the book, they have a good experience with our team and say, hey, I heard you guys podcast. And I've been thinking about doing that because I've got this book. I want to create a podcast branded around the title of my book. Yes. Let's do a limited series. Maybe we do a discussion on each chapter and that becomes a, a 10 episode podcast discussing, discussing my book that I can put on my website and it'll be out there in the, in, in the, uh, you know, in the, in the library, the RSS world as well for consumption at whatever time. So yeah, there's totally comp uh, uh, cross pollination. That's the, the way you said it. I think that's perfect. And it works the other way too. We have some podcasters that are also authors, but usually it's the author that wants to be a podcaster because they're looking, you know, how do I grow my audience? How do I grow my readership? So. When, when you're doing the audio work, conversation number is always the number one question is money, 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 money. Yeah, what are the other things that you're running into that are the podcast or questions that you're getting? So format, um, you know, there's so many ways to do this. And, you know, the most basic form of a podcast is like, and I'm not minimizing this in any way, but the most simplistic way is you've got a bookend, uh, you know, call to action intro. I call them show liners, show liner on the front, 
uh, intro and outro. That's show liners. So, so you create a canned thing and that's the call to action. It positions the host. You invite, we have a, a voiceover with music come in and they just like you did it for this show. Beautifully done, by the way. Um, so then in, inside of that, though, or amongst that, what is the listener experience journey? So one of the things I've been trying to push our team and, and also our clients to do is think a little bit outside of the box so that there are some surprises. So um, we might coach them to say, well, pull a quote out and put that before the show starts and then the music kicks in. So that's a very basic example. A pull quote. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you hear. You hear a lot of a lot of podcasters doing it's not it's not just it doesn't come to mind when they're first planning the show. Um, rituals, like I'm always going to ask my guests at the end or a certain point in the show, the same five questions or three questions, because now you're, it's like the grocery store thing. You know, you want to know where the milk is in what aisle, you know, and you get used to that and it makes you feel comfortable. And now every time you go, you know, if you watch a show like Jeopardy, there are certain rituals in the way that, uh, that show is being delivered that you become comfortable with and you like that. So, um, I can remember watching inside the actor's guild. Inside the actor's yep. guild with the studio, with yeah, five bravo. questions, yeah. right? And that was amazing what he got out of those five questions. Mm-hmm. I do want to go back into your uh, your history for a second because sure. I'm curious how that has impacted what you do. Abilene, okay. Discovery, uh, Discovery Channel, NBC Universal, Disney, Miller Brewing, NBC um, Suites. You work with some yeah, big yeah, yeah, dogs. Yeah. No, I pr- I appreciate how did that, that transition to where you're at now? So I started from as a music composer. I was actually a, I'm born and raised in Chicago. I was a drummer and then learned how you know music theory and writing and orchestration and songwriting. I uh, mentored with a guy named Dick Marks, who was one of the he was Richard Marks's dad. So if you know the pop star Richard Marks, that's Richard's yeah. dad. So Richard actually was he's a couple of years younger than me. He was actually there around us uh, while we were doing things for Pop Tarts and this and that. And so uh, that was an interesting period. Um, and so, so Dick was one of the guys that was in the jingle world doing stuff for Leo Burnett and Jay Walter Thompson and all the, you know, Foot Cone and Belding and all the big agencies in Chicago. And that's where I learned how to sync music to picture and write music. And at that stage of my life, that was the most important thing to me was expressing myself through, you know, writing music. So um, I've gone through a personal transition. Uh, but through that, we had studios and we were doing uh, ADR and looping for some of the studios you mentioned. So we were doing studio and audio services for brands. So I was around advertising a lot. And I've got to believe that even though I was a vendor to advertising agencies, working with copywriters, working with brand specialists, the account executives, you start to get a feel for how to communicate brand, how to tell a story with short pieces of film, you know, typically it was 29 and a half seconds, uh, write a song. I did a lot of stuff in children's programming. So again, that was an exercise in simplicity uh, in a world where I have a complex mind and I tend to probably write too much musically. I, it was always, a, my my challenge was always to, to do less and say, say less, more minimalistic. But uh, all of these experiences, like all of us in our professions, it, I'm sure it's informing ways, me in ways that I'm not even aware of, even this way I sell, because in the beginning, it was, again, it was just like this. It was me sending my reel around to ad agencies and hoping to get the next, you know, Pepsi demo so that I could leg into the business. We, we built the business in Dallas, Texas, actually. That's where we had our studios. So. But definitely the companies, I just ran it off. They are high level, but again, personal. Right. I mean, when, 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 when you think about Disney, they're everywhere, yeah. but there's still a personal vibe that comes out. I, I have to believe that's somehow glued onto you with what you're doing. 
Well, I hope so. That's very kind of you to say that. I mean, when you think about Walt and the power of Walt, and I study Walt, I've got the book on the shelf. So do I. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, Walt is like, you know, and he wasn't an easy guy to work with from what we understand. He had a, uh, I think he has the same birthday as me or one day, one way or the other. So he's also a Sagittarius. And he grew up in Chicago. They lived in Chicago, uh, one block over from me, but on the south side. Um, But aside from all those trivial matters, um, you know, there's just so much to learn from him. I mean, people like Ray Kroc that build businesses. Um, you know, I, I, I got to believe that, yeah, kind of it, it rubbed off how to communicate brand. And, and, it, and with music, it's very abstract. First of all, it's a very hard thing to sell a future piece of music that you have not yet heard. So I'm going into ad agencies with my reel and saying, oh, here are all the commercials I've already done. I have to sell it. I can write the next piece of music that hasn't, they don't even know what the film is yet. So, yes. so it's selling the future and it's very, so I, I probably have internalized a lot of these skills, but I think just even as a guy that talks to potential clients all day, I gained some knowledge from selling music because it's so abstract, if that makes any sense. Oh no, it, it totally does. Again, anyone in the media, that's a creative, there's a point where you have a blank canvas and you have to know how to fill that canvas. And, uh, that's where artistry comes in. That's where creatives come in. It's a lot of fun to be there. Yeah, and you do this every day with your voice and with your personality. And we were talking offline, your ability to transition. You know, that's such an art form. You, you watch a skilled interviewer. Man, there's nothing like it. And everybody kind of finds their own way into it. Like when I first started doing Small Biz America, which was my original, my own podcast, um, I was interviewing entrepreneurs. I had no business model. I didn't know why I was doing it. The podcasts weren't big yet, blah, 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 blah. But I was doing it. And it took me a while to sort of find my voice. At first, I was imitating uh, other interviewers that I heard and, you know, crawling into their skin. What would yep. Larry King do? You know, he'd listen and shut up and let them, you know, all of that. And I'm sure you've gone through your own versions of this, right? To be oh, yeah. better at this. It's such an art form that you're in. Yeah. Let's let everyone know how the best find you. And again, uh, sure. you do amazing work, the podcasting, the mm-hmm. audio book. This QR code will take you right to David's website. What are they going to find when they go there, David? So the website is, you know, like a lot of websites, it's an, it's an online active brochure. There's a couple of videos you can watch. Um, you won't get information about pricing because we're very high touch and each project is unique. I mean, we obviously have a range that we work within um, in the audiobook space aside from the work we do with celebrities, which is aside from that, you know, we have a zone that we find uh, and we'll talk to you about the process and all of that. And then on the podcast side too, we have a template sort of a general way, but I like to talk to people and get a feel for what, for what they can afford, what their project is about, what their business is about, what their voice brand is. So it's very personalized. So sorry about the long answer to that. So you won't find price. That's what you won't find is pricing, but you will find some other information. You can contact me through the website or D-W-O-L-F, so my first initial, last name, Wolf Like the Animal, at Audavita.com. And Audavita is spelled right there. Um, our website, I, unfortunately, it's down today as we're streaming live. I'm sure it's temporary. We should be up tomorrow. So sorry about that, folks. But you can send me an email at D-W-O-L-F at Audavita.com. That's fantastic. Again, uh, David, as we land the plane here today, what would your, be your best advice for either the audio or the podcasting what would be your best advice for someone listening and tuning in this? Well, that's a great question. And uh, let me think about it. So we do serve two different kinds of markets. So on the audiobook side, I would say that think of the audiobook as one other version of your manuscript to unlock an audience that doesn't feel like they have time to sit and read. 
It's just that's what's happening in the audio side of the audiobook market, in my view. In some cases, you might even help, it might even help you sell other versions of your book than in print or ebook. Okay, on the podcast side, remember it is an investment. It's not like it's a one-off thing. I mean, you could certainly do that, but to really get the effect of building a platform, think of the podcast as a part of a broader uh, plan that you have in place, and use it as a prospecting tool to then grow your audience. And then once you've grown your audience, other opportunities will will, will avail themselves. He said. David Wolf, thanks for being here with us tonight. We Thank really you, appreciate it. Again, be sure to check out his website, learn more about Audivita, and learn more about what's going on. And if you're, if you're a podcaster, want to be a podcaster, a business owner, CEO that wants to learn how to do this, David's the guy with his team that can help you learn how to do it. And it is about building your media brand empire. We talk about that all the time at Rock the Stage here. You are building a media brand empire. The book, the audio book, the podcast, your white papers, so much goes into them. Now you're building your brand. Always, if you have questions about that, contact us here at Rock to Stage Media. We will be back next week again, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. We go live for How to Rock the Stage. And again, we are so proud to be connected with the National Speakers Association. They help make this show possible each and every week, four times a month. We go live for How to Rock the Stage. That's going to do it for tonight. I'm the Trigger, Rich Bond Trigger. We'll see you back here. 7 o'clock Eastern time. And don't forget, we are now streaming audio, audio podcasts. We'll have the next one in tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock. Catch it on all your favorite audio podcast outlets.